Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Go Along Podcast. I'm Tyler Dunn here with my esteemed co-host, Jim Monas. We're rolling remote here on a Thursday night, 8.37. What's going on, bud? How are we doing? NFL. NFL heavy. I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm, I'm doing a good job of <clears throat> not buying into the preseason too much, trying to focus on what matters a little bit, just injuries and that's really the only thing you need to pay attention to at this point. Who's healthy, who's not. You know, these joint practices, it always seems like <laughs> whatever you see in the clips of the actual practice, it probably means more than anything you're going to see in the actual game that fans oh. are required to purchase tickets for if they have season tickets. Isn't that crazy? We like, would get more scouting out of a joint practice than we would of a game. Because you can because set up certain things. Yeah, just the, the, the practice, just the – you know, they're not used to going against each other. So you get that that competitive. It, it goes up a notch. You know, it goes up that whole level that you're looking for to really evaluate, especially the younger players. Because uh, that's what training camp's all about anyway. Make sure everybody's evaluate the young guys, vets, make sure they're in shape, know what they're doing. But yeah. Fights galore too, my God. Yeah, it happens. It's just, but that's, that's every year. I mean, that's football. Yeah. That's miserable you're hot you're miserable you're tired of it you just want to play a real game that's high school college nfl right it's the beautiful thing about the sport man it's uh it it, it's just rooted in violence and misery and misery (laughs) and barbaric tendencies like like you're hot hot weather and yeah it just takes you to your essence of of being especially training with the weather yeah, everybody's hot and man. I remember, God, just think back to high school football, right? How miserable some of those. T- I mean, those were two days back in the day. You know, back in oh four oh five, it was. Uh, we all had to get under the mile in a certain time around our cinder track with the grass growing on top of it. But that was high school yeah. America, right there. <laughs> it was it's so true. The mile run, two a days. Well, there's a few. What we're going to do here on the podcast, and we'll try to get into a more regimented uh, 
routine. Let, let's start with some headlines at the top, Jim. Yeah. Let's hit on what's relevant right now as people are listening. And then we want to get into like a main topic of yeah. the day, you know, topic du jour. And I think today what we want to get into is, all right, say you're running an NFL team. Jim Monas, you were just hired to run. Pick your team, anybody. What type of head coach, what type of, I don't want to use the word culture, foundation, no, what, what have you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind of building do you want? Because I just feel like with hard knocks, we're getting a look. And usually hard knocks has been, you know, pretty terrible and not really giving you much the last four or five years. But it's been it's actually been decent from what I've caught anyways. And anyways, we're getting a look at Dan Campbell, who is cut from a certain knee cap biting cloth. And then you get guys like Mike McDaniel, who isn't exactly going to gnaw on your flesh on a Thursday night. So there's a lot of different types of coaches out there, a lot of different ways of doing things. So I cannot wait to hear what you say, Jim, on the type of coach you'd hire, the type of building you want, the type of player that you want to propagate as you build a Super Bowl winner. So that's going to be what everybody hears later. But first, headlines. I'm really sick and tired of talking about Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to lie. It's just gross every time we touch on it. But finally, I guess we have conclusion, right? It goes back to just our last pod that we talked about, and I'm just going to keep saying it. We're now – I'm done with the whole however many games, and I don't, I'm with you. But at this point now we know what it is, 11 games, which means how long, like we said, before. He hasn't played football in a long time. And I'm just I, – I don't see how their season can be good at all. They just seem completely – it just seems toxic. Like, that situation seems toxic. Like, distractions, everything you don't want going into a season, they have. So, I, I'm, I'm over it. I, you know, it's a shame for a lot of reasons, but – at this point, let's hope. I really hope they're not good. I mean, I hope they're not good. I hope they're not good. You put it best from day one when this started to really blow up earlier in the off season, and the reporting was revealing just disgusting details of what uh, of what he's been alleged of doing in these massage sessions. Um, it's scouts, coaches, NFL people in front of a screen with a clicker being emotionless drones looking for drones. somebody who's going to win them, win them games. And that's the irony here. Like the Browns were acting that way from the top down. I mean, this is ownership. This has ownership's fingerprints all over it with Joe. Oh, it's, it's just clear. The most clear. incompetent owners in, in the league. Yeah. And it's not even close. Really. I mean, and, and there's some bad owners, but uh, you know, they, they are the worst I'd say. At least right now, hard to argue. But think about your think about Wyatt Teller. Like think about how hard he works and how tough offensive line and every down and the next play could be his, every player in football, but their next play could be their last. But I'm just talking about the commitment they make to their franchise and their team, and they want to win. That's why they play the sport and, and for the money. But like, how do you look your how do you look those guys in the eye? If you're the owner, like this is the best we can do for you. Hmm. Like 
we're going to give you a complete circus distraction type of season in a division that's real. Like that's a real division. I mean, so now you got to look at true pros. Why tell, I keep using him, but I just think about these guys that are so committed to their team. Is their team committed to them? Is that doing what's best to put them in the best situation to win? You're going to go sign a guy that regardless of anything, when you signed him, you knew there was probably going to be something. I mean, he was going to, you knew you were going to lose him for some time. So you just went out and got a guy you knew you weren't going to have. And then you have to look these guys in the eye and say, okay, like Jacoby Brissett, is that who it is? I mean, we've, we've watched him enough. It's just, I just feel, I just feel for the guys that are out there. Like the, you know, I shouldn't say I feel for them because look, we always say that, Hey, they get, they're getting paid, but. But that old uh, Ricky Waters quote that was, you know, maybe not exactly (laughs) quoted perfectly, but it's, it's kind of taken on the folklore for who, for what. You're getting the off-season surgeries, you're risking your body, you're risking your brain, jiggling around in the skull like, you know, yolk and an egg. You're, you're, you're putting your body on the line. I know you're getting paid, but you're physically putting yourself out there. There's sacrifice. You're, you're away from your wife, your wives, your children, who, by the way, you might have to explain some of this to. You know, when you go home at night, what are those conversations like? No question. When your teenage daughter says, how do you block for Deshaun Watson? dad how do you how, how do you try to win for this guy you know that, that kind of stuff there's all that but I, it's it's just so wildly ironic to me that they operated through that lens of clicker anything to win any means necessary this guy's gonna help us and then you don't get him for most of the season it so doesn't sad. this doesn't help you win and then when he does play what is he even going to resemble as a quarterback we don't know like it doesn't help you on any are. front I mean, if they're four and seven, or whenever he comes back, or four and six, he comes back week eleven, whatever. Like, what, what's what's the point? Why play him? Because you're you're going to play him for next year. You're playing him for next year. What about Nick Chubb? I mean, that's what I'm saying. What, that, what exactly. do you do with your best player? Your running back? Exactly. Are you going to put another four hundred touches? on his odometer and, and what's basically a lost season. I mean, what do you, then do you stop there? Do you just start shutting down all your best players? Cause this season doesn't even matter. I mean, it's a cluster. You know what? It's a complete disaster. However you so, look at this, they're going to fight you, I, so it's hard. Indefensible. It's indefensible. I agree. That's what I'm trying to say. Like these guys are going to be professional and they're going to fight like crazy to be good. Cause that's what athletes at that level do. They're going to, they want to win. And I wouldn't count them out. I'm not going to say that. They're going to show up every week. Those guys are going to take so much pride in the fact that this is our job. We're going to compete. It's not right. It's not right. Mm. Yeah. It's lost. I know it's out there, but it's it's, fun. I know. Not fun. Oh, yeah. I know what I wanted to ask you. Um, So we saw the Jacksonville Jaguar fans giving it to Deshaun Watson in that exhibition game. Yeah. And what Joel, Joel Batonio, who I really like, you know, he's yeah. a character, um, a leader on that team, on the offensive line. What are these guys you're talking about that's got to go out there? I mean, come on, dude. What, he said, what, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like, 
yeah, I guess it's Cleveland against the world even more. Like, are they really going to rally behind? Like, please don't rally behind this. Let, let, let's use they're some not, They're going to rally just being nobody thinks we can win. Not, not we don't have Deshaun. They don't even really know him. They're gonna just they're gonna just rally on the fact that they're professional athletes. I did kind of like that chant. I mean, if you're, it's very, it was very pointed. Three words: "You sick truck," and they didn't use the word "truck." I'm trying to get better with my language on the podcast, Jim. I, it's no, I know. Guy, it's, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a fine line, the language thing. Um, all right, I'm done. It's funny that is there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to him, Deshaun Watson? It's funny that Jacksonville is looking down on Cleveland. Like <laughs> you're right, isn't it? Like, where is your franchise? <laughs> I know. That's that's the state of affairs, though. It really is. Okay, Tom Brady. You said this was weird from the jump. Uh, yeah, he would just disappear like this, and where there's smoke, there's know. fire. Where where are you right now with Tom Brady? I'm I'm more just. Can't wait to find out what the heck it is. Obviously, we have no clue, but man, that's strange. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's not the end of the world and missing this time. I'm not even talking about that. It's just strange. Yeah. And now let's hope everything's okay. I hope it's nothing tragic. Like, I really hope it's nothing. I know we were kind of like joking and, and chuckling because we're just led to think it's Giselle related and we. <laughs> We remember Giselle, you know, yelling in the the bowels of was it Indianapolis, right? He can't throw and catch himself. It's just it's kind of been strange all the way back to then. But who knows? Maybe it's not a laughing matter. Maybe it's something serious. That's it's, what I'm saying. I, I don't it's, know, it's, but it's you hope it's okay. But man, it's strange for sure. And <sighs> I wonder, I wonder when he goes away from it. I just wonder if he's like, hmm. I just wonder if it makes him think. Like he's like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a long year. It's not a perfect uh comparison, but my, my thoughts just went to uh Rashad White. You know, we had that feature on him when he yeah. was, you know, living that JUCO life and abandoned yeah. apartments and cockroaches and rotting toilets and you know, if you're out of state and you're at a JUCO in California, who's just outside of LA, it's, I mean, you're betting on yourself. You're hoping it'll work out. But he said so many guys like that are living like that and they get evicted and then find another place and get evicted. There might be a guy who says, yeah, I'm going to fly home and just, you know, get my stuff together, get some money and be back. They never came back. Every time one of those JUCO teammates left, Rashad said, they did not come back. That's that's why he never bailed to Kansas City to to, to gather himself because he knew he wouldn't come back. Yeah. And you just you do you do wonder whatever Tom Brady's doing right now with family, with kids, with something that's away from football is could there be thoughts running through his head? I yeah. To me, he's still. I was a little shaky on their team. Up. I was shaky. Yeah, I was shaky on Tampa before that. As far as I just didn't like the whole, just seem it just didn't seem as um, as planned as possible. I mean, when it came out that Brady and Sean Payton wanted to be in Miami, that's that tells you he was gone. Like he was good on Tampa. It does. 
So now he's back there with a new coach and maybe it's just not, maybe he's just not feeling it. Who knows? Yeah. You do wonder. I mean, it's hard to imagine Tom Brady not being all in on football at this stage of the game. It's, it, it could be more of a Buccaneer thing than a one play football thing. And, Cause if he, cause he will be all in, like if he is playing, he's all in. And that's why this is so like, this is, that's what screams just strange right now that he would, cause he would not leave unless it was something. Let's just hope it's not something, you know, tragic, but. um, All right. I don't really good. have any exhibition thoughts. That's it. I mean. I know Sean McDermott said the starters are going to play for Buffalo this weekend. That's Any preseason. There? That's preseason. Great. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Well, I mean, you can play who you want. I wouldn't play one guy. You can play everybody else. I'm more of a uh, hit in training camp practice under your terms kind of guy yeah. than a play in preseason kind of guy. If that makes any sense. Because you do have to condition – your no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you got to play, yeah, you guys but, have to play, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, all it takes is one injury, and I mean, that is a thousand times more important than anything you'd accomplish in this meaningless football game. And, and that's the hard part, because, you know, every coach is going to tell you he could get hurt in practice, too, and that's, it's true, I mean, you can, mm-hmm. but it's more controlled in practice when it's just saying. complete live, that's all, but to me, he wouldn't need to play until that, that that opening night in L.A. I wouldn't play Josh. I'd say Josh is see you at practice. Don't you remember, um, God, was it 2011? Were you with us? You were with the Saints still, right? Saints. So I was, that was my first year on the beat covering the Packers. And you remember That's that true. opener, how good of a game that was at Lambeau Field? It was prime no. time. Went down to the wire. Goal line stand for Green Bay. Right after they won the Super Bowl. It was exceptional game. But I remember thinking, like, what's the quality of play going to be like? Because it was right yeah. out of the lockout. Like, you didn't really have a normal oh, that's offseason. Right. You didn't right. really have the a normal training area. camp. And people are wondering, yeah. what's the quality of play going to be like? And everybody got this just incredible football game. So, I don't know. Sometimes we make more out of that stuff than we need to. Yeah, I mean, the goal for is you got to find a way to just be healthy for the playoffs. I hate to say it like that. It doesn't mean that the games aren't important. Obviously, you want to you got to win to get to the playoffs, but you have to you have to do everything you can to keep your quarterback, most importantly, healthy for the playoffs. General Manager Jim Bonus. Congratulations. Congratulations. You're running. You're running a professional football team. Okay. What team is it? Do you you want to throw a team out there? Who who are you running here? The. That's a good question. I'd have to go Miami. The Miami Sharks. Straight straight out of any given Sunday, right? We can do something. (laughs) Miami Then Who's the owner? Then Cameron Diaz. Very realistic movie. Eyes it sounds very, 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 right. Very realistic. <laughs> All right. I mean, we, we've touched on this before because you, you lived this, you know, well, with Doug yeah. and the Bills yep. and thinking about the kind of head coaches that you wanted to hire. But even since 
then, even since 15, yeah, 2015 and 2017, when he, he went through those two cycles, I feel like football has changed. I mean, you do see – I mean, I don't think a Mike McDaniel and his style is getting hired as a head coach in 2015. It, there was nothing like that. Like, there wasn't this emphasis on having a brainy play caller, play designer as the face here. And then at the other end of the spectrum, I mean, I kind of love both ends of the spectrum. I don't really know where I'm going to fall on this as we get into it, but I do like that Dan Campbell, man. I, I like the analogies. As Jamal Williams said, taking somebody in the shallow end and throwing them into the deep end and seeing they can swim with you. All that stuff, it's a violent game. As we say, not played in a mathematical equation. You gotta, you gotta coach with emotion. You gotta play with emotion. I'm in. I'm in on 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 a lot of that stuff, but I'm not in on it if it's in a Mike Zimmer kind of way, right? If you're just gonna, <laughs> if you're just gonna be an asshole, like he was. To, I mean, this isn't my words. Just talking to people who have worked with him on his staff and players. Yeah. Toward the end, it it was bad. Um, you know, I don't think they're saying that about Dan Campbell. So you can you can be old school. I mean, I feel like there is a needle to thread with kind of being that older school guy, but it's still a game won between the ears in a lot of ways and putting your players in the best position to make plays, a la Sean, Mc, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, all, all of those kind of coaches. So anyways, nobody wants to hear from me. I'm just a reporter. You've actually been in the NFL. What do you think? Well, I mean, this is a good topic because, I mean, we hired McDermott and Sean, I thought Sean had a good mix of both where he certainly had a vision how he, and how he wanted to um, put his roster together, the type of players he wants, their character, the culture of the word you hate culture, but how he wanted the building to be structured um, Sean had that and, and, but he's not, he's not over the top tough guy, but he's, but his teams are tough. They play hard. And I thought he had that good mix. I thought Sean Payton and Andy Reid had that mix where I thought they were ahead of their game when they first started as head coaches. I thought offensively, they were both ahead of their time. I don't want to say ahead of their time, but they certainly were innovative, creative, but they were organized, detailed, and commanded respect and had toughness to their teams. Eagles, Saints, all were tough. Bills are tough. I, I do believe that. So I think however you can bring out toughness in your team and then the right guys that need to be dialed into the head coach, like the quarterback, safety, the offensive center, linebackers, the communicators – to their to the players, they need to they need to know what you're trying to coach them. The other guys just got to buy in. The rest of the team has to buy into what you're selling. And once they buy into you, I don't care if you're a straight tough guy or straight X and O. If they buy into what you're trying to sell, you're you're the right man for the job. And I really believe that. And you can be either one. And I don't have I personally look Dan Campbell. I see the I mean I'm not there day to day. You know, so I don't, I see the, the tough guy clips, but I'm sure there's more to it. There's more to it than just that. 
because I'm not there, so I don't want to say, you know, personally. And then McDaniel in Miami. I like his I like his interviews. I like what he's talking about. But his team better be tough. Yeah. And I think they will be. I mean, the 49ers offenses were tough. I never thought of them as soft. He was the OC. I've heard that about Mike McDaniel, by the way. His practices are tough. That's what I'm saying. Like, right? I mean, yes. You look at him and you think. Yeah. yeah. You and think, you listen to the interview. The interview is monotone. Yeah. You know. Arguably too tough. I mean, I heard like OTAs. It was competitive in Miami. Like he, he well, had those guys going word. at it. Yeah. Which so, is I mean, I, what the case was in San Francisco, which look, that's a tough team. Pound for pound, I don't think there's a tougher team. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, you know, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. I mean, these are guys that will just drag you into the back alley and beat you over the head. Yes. Um, But I I think it did turn off some guys. But maybe you need that, right? Maybe maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing if you're pissing off guys once in a while with that. Uh, But, yeah, it just goes to show you. I mean, you can't judge a book by its cover. You you watch a Mike McDaniel press conference and you think – Wow, it's you know, is this a college professor, a professional football coach? But that's that's kind of why I love him as a hire. I mean, if you can be yourself, and get, by all accounts, it seems like guys really like him so far and are buying in so far, and also still command a, a level of respect in that practice setting. Every, you know, it's unbelievably early everywhere. I mean, we can't draw conclusions, yeah. but that's right. that's probably the direction I'd go. That's what, if you can somehow balance that. Balance it. But to your point, this is the honeymoon phase right now for McDaniel, right? But the one thing about Dan Campbell that we learned last year, they didn't stop. Like they, and, and they bought into, they bought into what he was selling. They did. So that, you know, that caught my eye more than anything. Like they showed up every week and they lost a ton of heartbreaking games last year. Oh. So he they bought into Dan Campbell. Now are they good? Now the next step, obviously, is are they good enough? Well, let's just stay on the Lions then, real quick, because it's interesting that in, in that second year of their rebuild, where they might have a top five offensive line, their line's really good. Um, I would agree. It's really good. And, I mean, really, from left to right, it's, it's good enough. It's good. And then you look at their backs. You've got DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. You've got a pretty decent set of receivers, too. Agree again. Especially, I know where you're heading. Uh, you're heading to the <laughs> But I'm saying is, like, obviously, they're, they're no, keeping the quarterback you. door open. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. you got to get around to that and figuring out what the plan is there. But you could say that Jared Goff is in a position where you can evaluate Jared Goff, right? Like, you're going to know what you have in Jared Goff. Because everything around him is is pretty darn good, the defense is going to be better. You know, I, it's there's nothing wrong with building from the inside out while you're still trying to find the quarterback instead of rushing into that quarterback decision. I mean, they could have said, "No, Malik Willis," you know, with our first pick, and right. we don't necessarily all believe in him, but that's our guy. And then, and then you're all in on that guy, right? No doubt. And, and that's it. Like then you're surrounding him with talent on that rookie contract, and for better or worse, you're down that road. We, um, I know. After 
like we've probably said this before, but after Rodgers and Mahomes, golf is probably the third most talked about quarterback on this podcast. And Justifiably so. And I will say this, and I'm the, I've never been a believer, but at the same time, he has done some things. And it's like you can't toss aside what he has. He has done some things. It's hard. I got to get out of my head what I watched last year. It was ugly. Mm-hmm. It was. Like, it was not It got good. better at the end. Yeah, there's. I can go back and forth on that a little bit, but you didn't. Need, I said that with an upward inflection, though, Jim. You know, with, well, with optimism. Hey, I will give the Lions credit. They, like you said, they didn't go for somebody. They, they had a plan that hey, let's see what we can do with this guy. So get give them credit for that. I mean, I. But like I said, hey, they played hard for Campbell. They bought in. Golf's coming back. Next second year, maybe he's a little more comfortable getting over whatever it was. He that's not easy just switching teams. So yes, can they? Could they be decent? <laughs> it's hard for me to say yeah, but hey, I bet the over so on their win. So I'm hoping. Well, it's it, it's a different. I'll just say this: it's a different um, level of intensity. I think day in and day out with this staff and with these players. I mean, Jamal. I will say this, Tyler. I got to tell you though, I work with every team I work for, man, you've been around these guys. It's a professional job. Like you can be Mm rah-rah or not rah-rah, however you want to term it. But these guys show up and work hard. Like no matter what the coach is. Like, I do believe that. I'm not saying they're, I'm not, I'm talking about their, just their, professional work ethic toughness these guys are fighting for jobs i that's why i said the rah-rah can be you gotta be careful with it because some of these guys some of these guys don't need it they just need to look you don't need to do i'm good i'm motivated i'm i'm not really getting at the rah-rah but just the overall i feel like we all saw jamal williams speech right and he's he's teary-eyed and he's trying to get guys going that that seems real to me. I think I that they are weeding out the sort of players that are just kind of floating by. And it is a professional job, but I think there are a lot of players in the NFL who just kind of float by. They kind of punch in, they punch out, and you know, it's 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 just a it's a job. It's not a passion. Um and I think that you got to have guys that have that passion that truly do love it. If you're the shitty Detroit Lions and you just for three thirteen and one, like just floating by, is it going to work? I mean, it, it's true. Like you, you do need guys who love it and are in and and want to work. Uh, and they, I think they have more of those players. I mean, they're the if not the youngest team in the NFL, one of the youngest. They have one one guy who's over like thirty one years old, Brockers. So I think that 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 clean slate is there with trying to build a certain type of player that's going to take on the personality of the head coach. I like what you said about his, what his style will do is weed out the guys that aren't buying in. You're going to find out like, Hey, this guy, if he's not buying into me, I don't want him on my team as a coach. And and that's where, and you're right. It's not necessarily about the rah-rah. It's about the toughness that you're bringing every day and asking guys to show up and be tough every day. Cause 
we've talked about this on the pod. That's to me is the number one toughness is it in the NFL. Yeah. Um, that's what separates the guy after talent. All these guys are pretty talented. Yeah. Some more than others, but toughness, you can't put a value on that. And that's what he's trying to, so you're going to like Sean Payton did that in New Orleans that first year, you know, or, I don't know, first two years, he got rid of like Aaron Brooks, Dante Stallworth, Joe Horn. They were good players, all of them, but not, not for him. Mm. I'll never forget Cincinnati that. Bengals. I mean, um, Paul Denner Jr. We had him on the podcast. He yeah. broke it down where they had they had to kind of get rid of Marvin Lewis's old crew where there there What's were some linebackers. But that linebacker, um, Montez Perfect, uh, Perfect, get rid of those guys. Get rid of him. What's he doing? Even like a Geno Atkins, who was very good. You, you had to kind of move on from the old guard, as Paul said. Like they they were the guys kind of commanding the room, setting yeah. the tempo, and and you do have to bring in your own. And we're gonna. If, if people haven't read it yet, it's at golongt.com uh, Friday morning. Uh, Chidabe Awuzie, like, here's a guy from Dallas. Eli Apple, an outcast from the Giants and the Saints. Mike Hilton didn't even get an offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know. Um, Trey Hendrickson. You're bringing in all of these players from all Same. of these different places. They've all been counted out. They all kind of have what we're talking about, a reason to go into work and kick somebody's ass. Like that's not just a job. It's a passion. And by November, December, um, Chido Bay really said like they, they were trusting each other. Like they were buying into what they were doing. Oh, that's, and it's not just yeah. cliche. I mean, it's not that trust matters. <clears throat> you remember Chris Borland, right? I mean, linebacker who retired at 24, uh, San Francisco, that was my first story at Bleacher Report. I think we sat down and he even was saying how much he loved football was because if you don't hear that audible from the safety, like your head might just I mean, be turned sideways by a 275 pound tight end. Like, right. it, like you've got to be in the moment trusting your teammates because it's a violent sport played by violent people. And he meant that in all the best way possible because right. football just gives you that element of trust you don't get in any other sport. Like, you know, you screw up in, on the basketball court and you might turn the ball over and be embarrassed in front of the cheerleading section. You're not going to like suffer a concussion. That's you know going to have you in a dark room for two weeks. So <laughs> you want guys who like love each other, buy in, can trust each other, are smart, tough, all that. Cause it's just different. So true. You see it with Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, you're around those guys more than I am just with McKenzie and they, I mean, just the way they, you can just see the the way they treat McKenzie and talk about him. Like they're tight. Like that's a tight group. And then going through what they're going through with Dawson Knox's brother. And you can see that affects them because they care, you know, they care about each other. So that, it says a lot. You're right. I mean, you got to build that trust. Like if, if the Bengals said that, if he used that word, Jose, if he used that word trust, that they, that's, that's big to hear from a player. He said how they hang out across yeah. position groups too, which seems like a small thing, but it really isn't. No. Usually no, in not. a football it's not a small thing at all. Off, you know? It's not. Um, and, you, and I think you see that with the Bills. I think they have kind of created that atmosphere. So, you know, and on the on the on the other side of the 
spectrum, there's a lot of teams that don't have that, and it can turn sideways fast, right? Yeah, it's it's ugly. Yeah. So if you're running a team, yeah, is there is there a, is there a head coach out there that checks every box? Uh, yes, I'm going to tell you who I would die. I, here's what I, this is going to be crazy. I need I would want to interview this guy, Lane Kiffin. He's come up a couple times, I think, but I people who don't remember, I feel like he is built. He's built for the NFL. I really believe that. I think he is because he's what do you like about up, him? he grew up in the business. He knows the business. He knows, he knows how important a D coordinator is for him. I just, I've always wanted, I've always respected him. And he, what he did at Tennessee for a quarter, there's a quarterback named Jonathan Crompton. I've talked about him before that I still can't believe he got drafted. And I said, Lane Kiffin, just like, that's all because of Lane Kiffin coaching him. Like if any other guy coached him, there's no way he's getting drafted. Um, I just really like his style. Um, I know he knows football, but he's not like all football all the time. Like I like his mix. I like the way he interacts with his players and he, he jokes, he laughs about himself. He, I, I've heard him talk about his, you know, his time at Alabama with Saban and they obviously did not get along, which doesn't surprise me, but both are successful. So say, so Kiffin's a guy that would I would just love to interview for an NFL job. Is he going to get that shot again? Kiffin? Yeah. I don't think so. For some reason. I, and he might. I don't know if he wants it. I guess he would want it if the price is right. But he's got a good thing going. Nothing wrong with coaching football in the SEC. No, and and they're they're gonna yeah no, especially now with the way it's just it's That's so top cool. heavy in college football. Yeah, you're one of the you're one of the probably twenty teams that even can remotely compete. Have you ever talked to him? Got to know him? No, hmm. no. So this is purely your football. That's why. That's why I said I love the yeah. yeah. I would just love to hear it. And then he could hire as his D coordinator, Jim Schwartz or Greg Williams. Yes. I like it. I like it. You know, it just goes to show that if you're a coach on the rise and you have options, boy, you have to be choosy. You really do. Because, I mean, Lane Kiffin just walked into a absolute field full of landmines there with the Oakland Raiders. And it was, it was disaster. I mean, Al Davis. Jamarcus oh, Tyler, Russell. that thing was, he I mean, never wanted Jamarcus Russell. Failure. He never wanted Jamarcus Russell. He was set up. What do we talk about? Owner, spend money, stay out of the way. That wasn't happening. Who was the GM and head who was Kiffin's GM? I don't even remember, but they probably didn't have a relationship. And who was the quarterback? They had no chance for success. They didn't hit any big four. It falls apart. He goes back to college and that's it. You know, it's, yeah, it hurt his reputation big time. You know, what's a, you know, it's turned out to be a great hire by Sean McDermott talking about Leslie Frazier was a big time hire for him. And, and, and that was, 
Sean was talking about Leslie and another guy for that position. And he ended up choosing Leslie, going with Leslie. And that was smart as a first-time head coach to get a guy that's done it, a guy that you've worked for and respect. <clears throat> and I, I feel like that was a – you know, we, we joke a little bit about how he didn't – obviously it took a little bit to get the offense side right, which it was kind of almost bad. I mean, when you think about Rick Dennison, David Cauley was a quarterback. I mean, it was it was just like thrown together. You know, think about it. It was thrown together. It really Leslie, Leslie brought stability. That side of the ball was solid. Then he got Dable in there, got that side solid. That that means so much to a coach, like to be able to hire correctly, your coordinators especially. Leslie Frazier just has such a calming effect. Man, he is. Think about how Great bad guy. it was in Minnesota when he became the head coach, right? I mean, the yeah, the I heard it in. Brett Favre mm-hmm. with the text messages, Percy Harvin. I mean, it, that 2010 Vikings season should be a documentary. Was, everything went wrong. And he was able to he, – he came in and took them to the playoffs. I, <laughs> you know, Adrian I, Peterson had that crazy season. I get it. But he's winning with, what, Christian Ponder and not much a quarterback that, going on. It'd be uh, fun to get a guy like Ben Lieber on the show sometime. I've been trying. Ben, no, if you're I'm listening, I'm texting and calling you. Um, but but maybe some guys are just better. You know, and that might be Lane Kiffin, too, where maybe he's a better coordinator than he is a head guy. The interview would be fascinating. Leslie Frazier, obviously, is a good coordinator, though. I don't know if he's a good head coach, though. What's and that ingredient that he's missing, then? What to is be it? a head coach? That's a good point because I wasn't there. So I don't know how much – it's hard if you're not there. I look at Rex. I look at Sean Payton, Andy Reid, right? Andy Reid was offense, Sean Payton offense, Rex was defense. But Sean Payton and Andy Reid, they were involved on the defense. Yeah, they weren't calling the defense, but they were involved. I can't – I don't know if – I, I don't know how much like a Leslie Frazier was involved on the offensive side. I think that's important to reach the, I think it's important for the team to see the head coach be involved in both. Yeah. And I, I really believe that I like, cause you know, everybody knows Sean, everybody knows McDermott's a defensive guy, but I see the way he interacts with those. He has relationships with those guys. He watches the offense during practice. I know how he, I know how he watches practice. Like he, he does that, and that's important. So I don't know if Leslie did that in Minnesota. I did, I wasn't, you know, not being there, I don't know. The relationship between McDermott and Ken Dorsey will be something to keep an eye on because the relationship between McDermott and Brian Dayball, this isn't breaking news. Doesn't Is that confirmed? Is that confirmed? Like, I think there's enough smoke there. Yeah. Right, I mean, what? Go back to the the, the Flores stuff and no, uh, the owner's nephew basically saying, "Hey, we we think we can get Dayball in here as the offensive coordinator because he wants out of Buffalo." Uh, <laughs> kind of went away. Uh, it did. Get, it did go away. It did. I was told, you know, that, that offensive staff they were uh, not pleased that the head coach kind of 
blasted them after that wind game against the Patriots that they felt that those conversations could have been had directly. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was in a bad spot and obviously Sean went public. on wanting to become more involved, run the ball, get that going a little bit more. And boy, if you'd include Josh Allen in that, he was, he was right. I mean, Allen ran more at the end of the, at the end of the season and it helped, but yeah, I wasn't, you got to let an offensive coordinator like develop a style and a rhythm. And Dayball had that, like Dayball had his way of doing things and they got the best out of Josh Allen overall. Um, I, I, you know, it's almost one of the more sneaky storylines, not just here in Western New York, but in the whole NFL, but I mean, here's maybe the best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the league on a Super Bowl favorite with a new offensive coordinator. Like how, how is that going to go? I, I get it. Like it, the, the tendency is to think everything will be fine because it's his, his quarterback coach just getting promoted. But like calling plays is, is it's not like you're just playing Madden and picking your three or four favorite plays. It is layered and there's it's it's chess. I mean, one play leads to another and another and another. You're setting things up. You you you. He hasn't done it. Maybe he's better than Dayball. Maybe he's worse. But it's a complete unknown, isn't it, Jim? Unknown is a good word. And and not I like how you said that. It's not Madden. Can't just say, hey, we ran this play, let's run it. You know, it's 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 different. So it's good. I agree, it's something to pay attention to. And it, yeah, at the end of the day, players play and they have really, oh, yeah. really talented players. So I think the Bills will be fine. I'm not saying that no, I'm with you. it's gonna be uh Trent Edwards checking it down to CJ Spiller, who's kicking in Robert Royal. <laughs> those probably seem to nostalgic now. Everybody kind of waxes nostalgic at those uh, drought teams now. So we got to get some of those guys on the pod. <laughs> All right, let's get to the final segment. Unless there's more you want to get into, you got no, your staff good. set. You got that was your, good. Your, your culture set. I got to interview because- Lane. This is gonna be this is gonna be fun, Jim. So I threw out there on Twitter. Oh boy. And it's about that time. Love it. Ship us your most ridiculous batshit crazy questions for the go long pod. Non-football, more outlandish the better. And we have a lot, so wait, uh, is the first one Gina? Can you get a dog? Oh yeah, I, I saw Gina pop up. I saw we'll get we'll get to that. All right, here we go. Jason Brown, always good to see JB, loyal subscriber. Thank you, Jason. Always reads, always reaches out. Great dude. Would you give up your favorite TV show in order to never have to watch your kid's favorite TV show ever again? It's <laughs> no. a good question. Would you give up your Would you give up your favorite show in order no. to never have to no. watch your kids? No, no. I can get through it. I couldn't give up my favorite shows. That's a no for me too. Yeah, you know there are. I don't mind. Peppa the Pig doesn't bother. Peppa the Pig doesn't bother me that bad. No, Peppa's fine. Bluey's great. Yeah, you put me on. That was good. He likes that one. It's those rogue shows, like on the Roku channel. There's this uh, Diana show where it's just like a five year old girl and her brother just running around getting into shenanigans. It just is. It's just like all sensory images, right. just to, you know, and obviously Blippy is horrendous and will never 
make it to airtime in our household. But if it's one of those shows, I, I could see it. Like if, if our kids were like hooked on one of those, yeah, absolutely. I'd give up something. So depends, I guess. Right. All right. Kyle, Kyle Trimble, who we have to see in person. Kyle wanted to hang out with us at Hamburg. And that was when I think we were doing some traveling. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't really lock in in person those couple weeks. So Kyle, we're going to see you soon. Thank you very much for subscribing. He asks, how often do you have to use the quote, I have to get some writing done, record a pod- podcast, I'm leaving the house, quote, when your kids are driving you insane? <laughs> if so, does it actually work? Sincerely, a dad looking for a better excuse when his kids are in rare form. <laughs> All right. Tell I know me. this is, you're going to call BS, but I, I, Honest to God, I haven't used that as an excuse. When I have to write or work, I swear on the Bible it is because I have to write. It's it's not just a cop out. It's just say we're, we're just, pretty we're pretty nonstop here at Go Along uh, HQ, Jim. Just just say you're 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 going to golf. You start golfing. That's why I'll, that's why most guys golf and women because I live here at Clover at the golf course here and. I see plenty of men and women golfing that aren't very good. And they're not like, I'm just saying they're just trying to get away from something. What percentage of people with significant others and children golf just to get away from said significant other children? Like what percentage would you put that at? Like that is the number one reason they're golfing. Six hours. Somehow it's become accepted. A quarter, twenty-five percent, thirty percent. I've always said. I think I said it on here before, but man, if you could see your significant other golf, whether it's men or women, and you see and you go and watch how bad they are, it it, it, it would be confusing. Like, why would you want to spend? Four hours away from me. <laughs> yeah, golf has always just seemed like a uh, magnificent waste of time to me. I, I never got into it; just too slow and. Yeah, but you don't have that. Like, you, you really can't. You, that's really not an excuse. To like, you have to work. Like between your book and pod and. Hey, if you're watching, here's the books. The advanced copies are out. So the real deal will be out October 18th, Amazon pre-order. The blood it's crazy thing, man. Football. That's awesome. Thanks for giving me that opening, Jim. I just took it, you know, just like, like Bam Morris and that Steelers offense in the mid-90s. Just had to up the alley. You should. There had to be a way for you to do Dan Campbell as a tight end in that book. Would have been great. He, he came up <laughs> a few times in conversation. Uh, maybe that'll be for the, played with him. Maybe the sequel, the next book, book two. Hell yeah. All right. There's so many questions. We got to keep it moving fast here. Yeah. Dan Meyer, Meyer's Musings, a great follow, a great reader. Thank you, Dan. He asks, what do you think is the most like is the most likely to occur out of these three choices? You must pick one. Dwayne The Rock Johnson buys WWE. Dwayne The Rock Johnson runs for the president of the United States of America in 2024, 2028. Dwayne The Rock Johnson buys the Buffalo Bills. 
I might have to answer this because you may have to recuse yourself, right? I'm out. I love the question, though. <laughs> That's a great question. All right, I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with runs for president. I think that he's going. I don't know if it's going to be 24 or 28, but I think eventually he just. You runs. see it happening. I don't know if I mean. I think it's the most likely out of those three. Yeah. Would Doug Whaley be the vice president? There we go. Are you are you getting a cabinet position? Yeah. What? What? Do you, yeah. What else is on there? Hmm. There has to be some scouting position in the White House. There's got to be something. Maybe like. A, yeah, maybe you could be one of those seventy-seven thousand IRS agents. You know, just <laughs> trying to make somebody's life miserable, Jim. That's what you could do. <laughs> Sierra, always good to see you, Sierra. She asks, if you could be best friends with any celebrity, who would it be and why? Hmm. Hmm. I like that. That's a tough question. Because celebrity is always different. A lot of people always say, like, what athlete would you want to hang out with? Celebrity opens a whole, you know, that opens such a big world. It's got to be hard to figure out a celebrity who is normal and values normal human things, right? I mean, they just live in this different uh, dimension. Celebrity, what I want to hang out. They want whatever they want it. I really don't know. There's one person... He's an athlete, but he's a celebrity. I would want to hang out with him all the time. I'll give you two people, but this is number one. Deion Sanders. I'm in. All right. He just, he is, I love everything that he's been talking about. I've been saying that I think the Hall of Fame needs to back off every other year. He just came out and said it, that it's watered down. He just said his jacket needs to be a different color. <laughs> I thought right. that was the greatest. Oh, yeah. I thought that was the greatest quote I've ever seen. He also agrees with me, and I know you would agree. Why is Sterling Sharp not in the Hall of Fame? Oh, he said that? Yeah, he loves Sterling Sharp. That's on record. You can look that up. I'm with you on Dion. My only problem is he wants everybody to call him coach. I mean, get out. That's of all right. Unless you're one of those you. players, we don't, gotta, we don't gotta call you coach. I think he just brings credibility. He's funny. He's credible. I don't know. He's a superstar in every way. I like it. Who you don't have anybody off the top of your head? Dan Campbell, Mike McCarthy. I mean, I'd be getting into musicians and athletes, that kind of stuff, right? So that's what. Yeah, I, I don't have like a. Be an actor. Here's here's one. Maybe uh, I don't know if it, if it. I mean, there's so many comedians too, right? Oh yeah, they'd be fun to be with. Yeah. Speaking of comedians, I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse here, but I don't know if there's any Dan Soder fans out there. We're trying to get oh. him on the podcast. He says he would do it, and I think that'd be a hell of a lot of fun. Be good. He's hilarious. So let's. Yeah, he'll he'll be my choice for that answer. All right. All right, Dan, again, Oh my, this is a great one. You two fellows can pick one band to perform at Hamburg Brewing following a closed circuit live airing of the Go Along podcast on a Saturday night. 
Who do you select from these three choices? Lowest of the low, the tragically hip with Gore Downey, or Whitey Morgan. And you know where I'm going. I'm going Whitey Morgan. He opened for Cody Jinks last night at the Town Ballroom in downtown Buffalo and was unbelievable. It was great show, great venue, great country, great rock. He... I mean, Cody Jenks is guaranteed to just, you know, bring the house down. It was packed. It was sold out. It's awesome. And he, he loves Buffalo. But the opening act, Whitey Morgan, you know, with a beard down to his knees. Underrated. I had never really heard much of him before the concert. And the first thing I did when I got back to my house was just throw a bunch of his songs on Spotify because it was incredible. So, yeah, give me him. I can't answer that question. <laughs> You're like, I don't know any of these. Mark David, good to see him, my man. Says he just finished watching the Manti Teo documentary, oh. which I cannot wait to watch. Haven't Let me know what you want to talk about because I was scouting for the Saints then. Well, that, that's the next part of his question. He goes, Were the Bills interested in drafting him in 2013? But you were right. You were still with the Saints for that draft. That was what was his draft year? Twenty thirteen. Yep, I, I was Saints. Right? That's I thought I was with the Saints. Yeah, yeah. So it Doug didn't. You I on right t- after what, the what was the question again? What was the question? It, well, he asked if the Bills were interested in drafting him, but you, uh, were, you were with the Saints that draft. Still, yeah, right? I was with the Saints. But his next question is: Did Monus ask? Manti about getting catfish, and I remember <laughs> writing stories about this at the Senior Bowl. I mean, that was the everybody storyline. Right. It was what was it like behind the scenes? Like, what, what are you? I, it was to so you felt for him so bad. I, I watched that. Yes, you it believe was just him? here's why. Here's why I felt for him. What I don't. Here's how I felt watching the show. I'm not going to talk about it because if you haven't seen it yet, oh, you saw I, it. So you're. I watched it on Netflix, and I remember you know going through it. He, when I say I feel bad for him, he, he got fooled. Like, I don't know how he got so fooled. I don't know how it went so far. That's for you to kind of figure out when you watch this, but he got fooled. I, I, it wasn't anything. There wasn't any, you know, master plan behind it. And I will say this, it didn't affect his, um, anything with football. Nobody cared. I mean, we had to figure out, we had to talk about it, make sure everything was okay, because it was a little new and strange. But once we figured out and everybody knew what it was, we're like, oh, yeah, we're good. You're right. I mean, Catfish, the the documentary was just out, what, a couple of years before that, and the show came out. Right. I had never heard. It was still fresh. I didn't. At the time. A lot of us didn't know what it was but until that. And it just seemed like it was too good to be true where like he, he was up for the Heisman and like anything that storyline helped boost his Heisman credentials. I mean, there were glowing profiles written and glowing TV segments. I mean, it was, it was national news and, you know, we see him on the sideline in tears on a knee thinking about Lene Kakua did not exist. And then it was, so Right, I mean, I gotta watch the documentary. No, I'm kind of jogging my memory, but it was like his cousin who was pretending to be her or something. No, no, you gotta watch this. You're, you're okay. Wait till you see it. It was real. I mean, he was talking to somebody. 
who was real. But just wait till you see it. Yeah, Tuiasa Sopo. Just watch it. It's good. I've seen in the moment, I can see where you would think he just, you know, concocted this scheme. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, there's certainly, I'll never understand how it got as far as it, it went, but man, I did. He, but at the end of the day, it didn't like, he wasn't, he didn't run great. He was a tough, good football player. He was. He was drafted in the right round. He was second round yeah. pick. That's fine. Merck asks, what quote or saying do people spout that is complete BS? Oh. We might have to carve out an hour. I have one. Let's hear it. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I kind of like that say. It blankets. That's such a blanket statement. I mean, it's it like, yeah. you could say that for everything and then it's, uh, I can't you do could. that. You could. What about it is what it is? It's fine. Same thing. What I hate is somebody saying, I'm just living my truth. <laughs> now that's bullshit. I don't care about living your truth. Let's live in the truth. Like there is a truth. There is a reality that we all must live in. We don't need to abide by your truth. We don't need <laughs> to all bow truth. to what you believe. Right. Like, no, there right. is just the truth. Which I should cut myself short before I get in trouble. Victoria, little snappy. My sister-in-law asks, who is your favorite sister-in-law? Hmm. Well, the choice is Victoria or the field. And there's nobody else in the field. So, I'm trying to think of something to piss her off, but I can't, Jim. She's a very good person. And a very good I'm voting for Victoria. So Victoria, for me. Victoria you, you win this round. And there's Gina downstairs chiming in. This is a question from Ed. She says, our dog, quote, Wolf, can you adopt me a brother or sister, please, Wolf? We're not getting another dog, hon. I'm very sorry to, to inform you. That's just uh, just not going to happen. Man, I wish I could bet on. I wish I could bet on this dog thing. <laughs> it's, we are life is crazy enough. I'm not yeah, disagreeing like with you, Tyler, but I think I know who's going to win this this debate. No, I think no, I know no, who it's, no, no, there's no, there's it's it's not a. Uh, even, it's, forget debate. It's not even a discussion. It's not even a speck of a possibility right now. Getting a dog. Get out of here. Get out of here, Gina. Come on. Maybe like a. I was gonna say like a, a hamster, but no, not even something like nothing else. No living organism. We're good. We're very good right now. The Glenn. We're just talking about Bluey. He's got Bluey as his uh, avatar. Good call, Glenn. Would you rather go on, a, on an, I, I still can't say this word, I, Ayahuasca trip? Oh. The hallucinogen? Yeah. With Aaron Rodgers and Blue of Earth, who is his girlfriend now. I mean, it, it's his new girlfriend, uh, Blue of Earth, who we thought was a witch for a while. And then she came out to say she's not a witch, which is definitely something a witch would say, right? Would you rather do that? Or attend a December game at Lambeau wearing only a Speedo with the drunkest guy you can find at the tailgate? Oh, my God. That's a good question. 
So would you rather do hallucinogens? Oh, and a that's lot easy. of them with Aaron Rodgers and Blue Earth, or Lambo and the Speedo with the drunk. Mm. Let me know how the game is. I'll be with Aaron Rodgers on that trip. Mm. You know, I, I'm going to go with the trip. You're right. Uh, I, Tyler, I don't want to be that's a no brainer, and I don't think anybody else wants to see that. Uh, but it's I'm not I'm doing it reluctantly. But there are some questions you could ask when you're on that trip, and maybe you'd get some honesty, right? I mean, there's there's some things you could ask them. It'd be a good chance. Uh, all right, here we we got so many questions. Let's just rapid fire them here. Would you take six inches in height to lose one inch off your package? <laughs> all right, uh, Zedro eighty eight coming in hot with that one. Um. Would, six you, always say, would you would you become six inches taller to lose one inch downstairs? I'm good. I hate to say you it. Know, I, don't, I don't need. I'm good. I'm good the way I. I don't need to be taller. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm so I'm not six. Me, it's I'm six feet tall. Me, it's six six. I still wasn't going to be. That wasn't going to help me in my. I'm not thinking I can't, I can't. what benefits in life do you really have at this point? You know, we're not playing pickup basketball. No, I'm good. I'm good. If hey Dell, what's up, Del Reed? If animals could speak, which kind of animal would be the most polite? And which animal would be the rudest? Most polite. Hmm. Rudest would have to be what animals people just always stare at and pelicans are pretty mean. Mean up there. Yeah, they're they're you ever seen a good montage of pelicans just being assholes? It's pretty funny. But yeah, they're, they're pretty mean. I was surprised. I think sloths uh would have to be some of the most polite, right? They seem like very Gentile creatures. <laughs> I like that. Maybe. <laughs> I didn't think about sloth. Yeah, I'd have to do some research on that one. All right, there's a couple more. Steve Wibble, if you had a time machine, where would you go? Oh, I know where I'm going. Vegas. In the 60s. Seventies, whenever that Sinatra and give me I want to be Vegas when it was Vegas. Like I like that. I, I would love to be a part of that. Gambling on sports back then was, you know, that's the only place you could do it legally. Yeah. Hmm. I'm even thinking like way back in time. Yeah, that's that's good for me. Vegas would be good. I'm just gonna I'm just letting you answer the questions because I I I can't think of anything at the tip of my tongue, but that sounds pretty fun. And let's let's finish this with this one. Our buddy Tommy Greco. Good to see you. He asks, whose effing idea was it to make Andy the boss on the office? Great question. I have no idea. It wasn't good. 
a bad twist to a great show. Any thoughts? Can't answer it. Not an Office fan? No. Oh, right. I know, and I, I've tried. I don't understand why I can't get into it. All right. We're kind of stumbling to the finish line here, but we're on E. What do you say, Jim? Should we sign off? That was pretty good. That was a good pop. I like those questions. Makes us think. It does. Yeah, I was, you know, I did not bring my A game on those questions. I was. That animal question was tough. A rude animal and a nice animal. That's a hard one. You know what? Let's definitely think about that one and then come back with better answers. That's tough. our research. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We appreciate you rating the podcast, reviewing it, sharing it with a friend, doing all that good stuff. We've got a lot of plans for this year. We'll uh, get into those details soon on many fronts. Thanks, everyone.